and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, real, uh, real talk, or should I just say fine? Let's about, say, you know what? I just say I'm doing fine. Let's do, let's do showbiz talk. <laughs> let's, uh, go, yeah. Everything's sparkling yeah. and great. <laughs> Things are going great. We have a, a guest. Su- it's a sunny day here at Battleship Pretension <laughs> Studios. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I'm in a good mood. I'll tell why, because we have a guest who's always very uh, well-informed, very entertaining, uh, very funny, and that means I don't have to do that much work today. Because <laughs> I, I actually well, that's had a why you bring me on here to yeah. fucking... Graham, bear, carry the load. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason why we do have a lot of comedians on. We're just like, okay, all right, let's just let them... They're used to this. Take a week off. Yeah, they'll let just us. turn on, on, and then there you go. That's what happens. <laughs> Flip the switch. Um, all right, so how before, are you? I'm doing all right. Okay. It's, it's very dry here, we were just talking about. I want yes. to make sure you were okay. I, I can't guarantee that I won't get a bloody nose during okay. the uh, the record. It probably will not happen. It usually comes if I uh, sneeze too hard. I know that's a ridiculous thing, but okay. the dry altitude uh, is not good for me. Oh, is that okay. what we're calling a cocaine problem now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little that dry altitude problem. A little that drought, little that drought happen again. I'm just saying the podcast is doing well, you know? <laughs> and it's because I'm devoting time to it. We'll get to cocaine a little later. Battleship Pretension is the Wolf of Wall Street of podcasts. <laughs> We're going to go through some hookers and blow. We'll throw a midget up against the wall. Great right. episode today, right. guys. Break a baseball bat on the ground for no sure. reason. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a cool shot. Every uh, scene's going to just be a yelly coke fuck fest. <laughs> and People make fun of that, of our uh, tweaked audio sponsor, but that is what's bringing in <laughs> the money. audio sponsor. <laughs> Speaking of tweaked. Uh, TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. Smooth read, brother. Smooth. I love that. uh, If you go to TweakedAudio.com, this T-W-E-A-K-E-D audio.com slash pretension, you get those that same selection, that same great selection of professional quality earbuds, and you get one third off your purchase and no shipping charges. What? So do that, and uh, that helps us out. We see a piece of that. So what do they they do? Earbuds, and what else do they sell? Uh, they also have wristwatches. Yeah, yeah, but we, but I have not uh, a wristwatch that that like syncs up with your smartphone, and you, you know, I don't know so. because now this isn't me like angling, but Bruce and Tweaked hasn't sent us any sample wristwatches, so yeah. I can't vouch for them. I well, can only Bruce, vouch for the earbuds. If you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> comedy film nerds would love to get some samples, and we could talk about some sponsorship, buddy. We also are in charge of a little thing called the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Yeah, tweets could definitely sponsor that. That does seem like the kind of thing Bruce would... He was there! He was there? He was there, I met him. He didn't come up to me? I guess not. Bruce, seriously, brother. (laughs) Bruce. We had 40 shows, we probably did a million and a half downloads came out of that festival. You want a taste of that action? Admittedly, (laughs) up until... Uh, up until the very end party where you played... uh, Where you sang Dead or Alive and I sang... Uh, Werewolves of London. Uh, up until then, <laughs> which was magic, by the yeah, way. Thank you. Uh, up until then, anytime I saw you, you were always rushing back and forth, or was, you were actually on stage. It like, was yeah, it was it was a blast. But it is so. I mean, I collapsed by the end of it. I'm like, sure. Like yeah. Monday, I slept in so much money, and then Monday I just went to the beach. I think Andy Wood and I just sat at the beach and surfed on Monday. Because it is so much work. It's a, it, I mean, it is, I'm exhausted. Half of it, my exhaustion is just from laughing because I'm just hanging out with all my friends. But it's hard, man. I knew so many people were like, yeah, I was there. I was like, how come I didn't see you? They're like, you ran by me, dude. How could I stop you and say hello? And I'm like, uh, you're right. You're yeah, right. Did you, did you I, get a cold like immediately after? No, I don't. I think because I'm on the road so much, I'm sort of used oh, to right. taking care of my body. 
I just, I'm so like, I don't want to get sick and I'm on a lot of planes and I shake a lot of hands that I Mm. like, I'm constantly vitamins and washing my hands and crazy shit like that. Mm. But that probably uh, helps. It helps up an immunity. It does. And I make sure that I sleep hard. You know, like I shut my phone off. I put on a white noise machine, earplugs. You are not going to fucking wake me up. And if you do, you better be ready to fight because I need to I'm, sleep. I am also I am also a very deep sleeper. But uh, when you say it that way, when you say like sleep hard, that sounds like you actually get it done quickly. Like I get all my sleep. I get eight hours of sleep in two hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I am. I am very prudent with my sleeping. Yeah, I. Uh, I sat in on. I think it was. I think it was like the comedy film nerds panel. Is that the one where Will Anderson was was on, or is that a different thing? The Will Anderson was that was his show. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, it was All his right. show. It was me and Dave Anthony, and then Rove, this Australian comic. That's what it was. That was and a blast. So, uh, and Will's been on here a couple of times, and just and I sat in for uh, a short time. It was standing room only, so I was standing in the back of the room, and uh, and like between you and Will and Dave Anthony, and what was the other guy's name? Rove. Rove. Yeah. It was just like, man, there's a lot of energy going on. It, was, it is exhausting. to. Li- I'm laughing, but it's exhausting to listen to. It was, I, that was <laughs> my second of three podcasts that day. I did Comedy Film Nerds before that, then his, then Phil Hendry's. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. But Phil Hendry, I, I just was going to play the straight man, so it yeah. didn't take a lot of energy because I was just let him. I just – I wasn't going to get in his way. Yeah. And it was a blast. That, that was – all this <laughs> – Will Anderson was, was cool. That was his first ever live podcast – Really? Ever. Wow. And he did it at the festival in the States. Yeah. And, you know, he's a huge, he's Louis C.K. level on Australia, like mm-hmm, selling yeah. out 2,000 seat theaters kind of guy. And, you know, and when, it, when he came to me about it, because he, was, he was, did stand up in the first year and was a guest on Walking the Room in the first year of the festival and was like, you know, and I kind of met him. And then when I went, I did a tour in Australia and, and did a show with him over there. And he was like, you know, I want to, do more podcasting. I want to do more shows in the States. And so it's kind of like bringing in this guy, like when he did a 10, 15 minute set at the standup show, it was like, it was lightning. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, I don't know how you would equate it. Like, I don't know, like some Olympic athlete that you've never heard of that is just fucking amazing. Like, and he's so solid and he was just thought it was so cool. I mean, he was like, Hey, I appreciate you guys having me because you're helping me. Most of the fans that watched him at the festival were fans just because they've heard him be guests on American Comedians podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're, they're getting opened into this world of this guy that's like – and in Australia, you got to write like a new hour every year. And he's got something like 18 albums. Right, yeah. Like he's like an amazing comic. I, and, and I just can't speak enough about the dude. And, and like, I really want American audiences to know – who he is. And there's a lot of really funny comics in Australia that you haven't heard of at all um, that I've worked with. Like Justin Hamilton is a very funny guy. And, and uh, so it's, it's been really cool. And, and, and we at comedy film have picked up so many Australian fans, mainly because I've been on his podcast several Mm -hmm. times and then he came on ours and um, you know, he listens to our podcast and he was as emotionally, um, involved with dark Knight rises as i was like <laughs> like and you know it was so cool well like when we did his podcast um at the festival and he brought up the ben affleck thing he just said he goes he goes i think the whole internet was worried 
how Graham and I were going to handle this news. Because <laughs> I went dark for three days. Yeah. I didn't say anything on the internet. And people were like, are you okay? And I was just like, I just need some time with this. I need to think I, this through. Well, all right. you, okay. Hold on. Okay. Well, David, first you of all, if you're a, uh, speaking of Batman stuff, and if you're a Will Anderson fan, and, and if you want it, you should go back and listen to the episode 350, just we did a couple months ago, to hear the story about Will Anderson calling Heath Ledger a cock end. <laughs> um, which is a true story and one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but also, okay, I have something to say about Damn, the. He's funny. <laughs> about I, I have something to say about Affleck as Batman, but I don't know if that's what you were going to talk about. Well, I was going to say that like uh, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I, don't get me wrong. It's just like if if Christopher Nolan was continuing to make the series and then they brought in Ben Affleck, I'd be like I'd be bummed out. I'd be kind of disappointed in Christian Bale. I'd be disappointed in uh-huh. basically everyone involved. But to me, it's just like it's a whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. Yeah, Yeah, I beat you to it. I'm quoting, we're quoting Little Mermaid Grimm. And so, uh, but it's, but to me, the, my first response is like, oh, Ben Affleck's gonna, oh, right, it's Zack Snyder. He's directing. We've got much worse things to do. Zack Snyder will be the one to ruin it, not Ben Affleck. (laughs) I mean, let's be clear. Yeah, Uh, he's the issue here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I feel the same way. And that was kind of what we talked about on numerous times, both on, on, Tofop and on film nerds is like I sort of just am going to put the Chris Nolan trilogy on a shelf. Yeah, it's its own thing. It's its own point. thing. It's it's. I love them. They're the three greatest Batman stories ever told, and I'm just going to let those. I see your face. I see your face, <laughs> and I know you're thinking about some of the animated ones, which are good. Yeah, pretty good. But um, for me, I love those movies. I love that whole world, and I'm just going to like kind of like what I did with like. You know the, the the Star Wars prequels. Like I don't, I I'm just barely even acknowledging right. those. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna go watch my VHS tapes of the original. <laughs> yeah. On George Lucas when he went shit nuts yeah. and went up the river like fucking Colonel Kurtz and just went goddamn <laughs> fuck nuts and just remember those three films on their own. And that's what I'm gonna do with this. And I'm and you know, and I can't I can't be I can't get mad like Ben Affleck. I love this guy, this director, Argo. I mean, runner, runner. I guess we all need to take our kids to Costa Rica for the holidays. But, uh, you know, I'll let him slide on runner, runner. But, I mean, this this new incarnation of Ben Affleck, I'm on board with. So I'm willing to kind of give it an uh, – I'm going to just – you can't compare it to the Christopher yeah. Nolan movies. You just got to leave it on its own. I mean, for my money, Ben Affleck should be playing Superman. He is. He kind of did. Now he played right. George Reeves in Hollywoodland, right. but right. but yeah, but did a great job. Did like a great he's a, job. He's a good actor in the in with the right role, the right mm-hmm. writing, and the and with the right director. I, I'm going to guess none of that is the case with the Batman Superman thing, which just got pushed back a year. Mm. Did you see that? It's a little iffy. I wonder what that means. That is <laughs> such a bad sign. <laughs> It's another year to watch Blu-rays of the Nolan movies. <laughs> uh, so what I was going to bring up is that uh, this just came out today that uh, Kevin Smith, I don't, I'm not like a Kevin Smith hater as a person like some people are. I'm not a fan of his movies, no. but he seems like he's probably like a perfectly nice guy. Um, uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, 
he like I guess got a sneak peek at what the bat suit's gonna look like, and his first like thing that he told everybody is no nipples. And my first reaction is, yeah, no fucking shit. It's been more than fifteen years yeah, since the bat suit with nipples. Can we all fucking get over now. that? It happened once, and now yeah. every time there's a new Batman, it's like, uh oh, there better not be any nipples. It's like it's not funny anymore. I know. Well, it I wasn't think Kevin funny Smith a year was, after. He was flashing back to when he was at his most relevant, which was again sixteen years ago, <laughs> right. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just he, he has a hard time believing there's anything after that. That's mean of me to say. Sorry, I don't care no. much for Kevin Smith. No, that's so. <laughs> not mean. That is what we call accurate. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, you know, it's speaking of the the Star Wars prequels. This was a, this was a while ago, but I cannot stop thinking about it. Did you know that there is a a cut out there of the three prequels cut into an 89 minute film by Topher Grace. I've heard about that. And it's supposed to be fucking it's amazing. It's supposed to be yeah, gr- right. well, as great as the dialogue can allow. But like <laughs> he says, by cutting out this giant subplot and that giant subplot, subplot and focusing in on the romance, which doesn't work over three films, you put into one movie, it works surprisingly well. Sure, because I, that I, just that alone in one 89-minute movie, that is a part of the mythology of that world. Yeah. Of how, you know, and then those children were, Luke and Leia were separated because they didn't want the Emperor to know and all that stuff. That's relevant, you know? I cannot wait for Topher Grace to get his hands on the Hobbit movies once I'll read them around. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought. It's the first thing I thought after Desolation of so Smog. We want, we, we want Topher Grace to save. He's our yeah. last hope. Just Topher every movie Grace? that's too long, I want him to just... Take away. So everything Peter Jackson's Wait, ever right. done? Yeah, <laughs> it just occurred to me. Graham, I haven't talked to you at all about The Hobbit. You're not even a fan of Lord of, Lord of the Rings. No. You must hate The Hobbit, right? Ugh. Did you even bother you, seeing No, yeah, yeah. I had to because we did fucking spoiler episodes of both Hobbits 1 and 2 with Jackie <laughs> Cation, which really consisted of me asking her and Chris questions. <laughs> I watched those movies and the whole time I was like, if we weren't doing a fucking spoiler app, I would never see this. I would just let Chris watch it and review it, and I wouldn't. So I don't know. I mean, and and, and when we did the spoiler apps, I wasn't going to just sit there and go, these are stupid, that's dumb, because that, whatever. Like, yeah. the spoiler apps are for super fans, so let them, let them have their, their day. I, I, so I just would ask questions like, and here's what Chris and, and Jackie said. You know, they're diehard fans of the books and everything. And they felt like they were pretty close to the books. They liked those movies. So this is what I say to anyone that likes that world that you're probably going to, according to these nerds, you're going (laughs) to like, you're going to. And the joke I always made was when they would talk and get all wound up about it, I go, oh, now I know how non-Batman fans feel <laughs> when they have to listen to me. I yeah. get it. Okay. All right. Uh, I actually, I, I um, here's how much I hated the first Hobbit movie. That I think the second Hobbit movie is maybe four times better and is still not a very good movie. Yeah. But the second Hobbit movie actually has the dragon, momentum to the it. The dragon scene actually is fucking amazing. It I, is cool. When it's between Bilbo and the dragon, it's great. Then when the dwarves show up and it turns into this weird little Benny Hill routine, like I didn't care for it. <laughs> but like, but that moment, it's like, this is like great filmmaking. Good right. dialogue, like good acting. I think Martin Freeman's great. Really cool technology. Yeah. Really good use of the technology. Yeah. And, and um, again, Mart- you're right. Martin Freeman is great. And... There aren't a lot of scenes in movies where an actor is playing against a CG monster 
And it's really engaging yeah. dialogue. It's helping to tell the story. Like that was really cool. I, yeah. I dug mm-hmm. And he's done it twice. Cause in the first one, I, which I did not care for all the scenes with him and Gollum were by far the best, the best in the part film. Of the mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's just, well, yeah, sorry, we, we need to move I on. Had we do have, because we, we want to get into, Graham's here to talk about the Oscar nominees, and this would be a perfect segue, in, given that uh, The Hobbit is nominated for visual effects, mm-hmm. but we do have one more sponsor we need to... Uh, we do, and we wanted to, I wanted to give uh, Graham a moment to talk about a project he's working on, but I will first talk about our other sponsor, which is, of course... www.gentlemanbabycomics.com Com. Yes. Okay. That's Gentleman Baby Comics, or as David says, Gentleman Baby. Uh, and so, uh, yes, I want to make sure I, I phrase this right. It's Gentleman Baby Comics Phase Two. All right. And so, what they're doing, they're raising money by way of Kickstarter to uh, put out hit exclamation point uh, ep- uh, issue two, and then the first issue of a comic book called Come In Closer. And so it's, it's very exciting. Uh, you and I have read the first issue of Hit. I thought it was a beautiful very comic exciting. book. Yeah. Uh, nice and stripped bare like a nice uh, old-timey film noir. Uh, and uh, so you can their, – their goal is 3,500, very easily achievable goal. They got 1,200 more to get to. Uh, I highly recommend people do it. There are a number of rewards, including a couple of Battleship Pretension-themed packages oh, nice. uh, at $15 and at $50. And so uh, so go to uh, GentlemanBabyComics.com or click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com and uh, We prefer them. you do the latter thing. Yeah, oh, go no, to no, BattleshipPretension.com yeah. first. Check out all the great content there, movie reviews, links yeah. to all the other podcasts, and the BP fleet. Yeah. And then, yeah, follow on through to Gentle the Man BP Baby. The BP fleet. Nice. That's, right. that's, uh, <laughs> Sweet. that's why Tyler says welcome aboard at the beginning of every episode. He's, oh, he's really into the nautical theme thing, which I, I tend to forget it. about. And I think it's a I good, love uh, it. The BP fleet, man. That's yeah. fucking gold. I love good marketing. Jeez, yeah. I love oh, good it's, marketing. It's, you know, we've been doing this for about as a seven member of the, years. As the Supreme Commander of the Palm Strike Army, <laughs> I am happy to be aboard the BP fleet. All right. Yeah, you need a, what is it, uh, like an escort across the Pacific. <laughs> of course, of course. But, uh, okay, so now, Graham, before we get to the Oscars, you yourself have a Kickstarter. Yeah. So people, here's the thing. Spend some money on our sponsor because they paid us. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, reach a little further into your wallet because that's how money works, right? In a wallet. <laughs> yes, right. It's hidden. It's hidden. <laughs> right. Go into your secret, unzip your secret compartment right. as we all have in our Where wallet. Where there's a, a dragon guarding it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and listen to what Graham has to say. Graham, what are you working on right now? Well, you know, as uh, – Myself, uh, Chris Mancini and myself, obviously the, the two guys from Comedy Film. Chris couldn't make it here because his kid got sick. He was going to do – you normally we do the show every year and at the last minute his kid got sick. So he's like, Graham, you go. I'm like, done deal. Um, we uh, you know, helped create with Dave Anthony and Andy Wood the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. And this past year we you know, got a lot of interviews and started to get this awesome theme of – podcasters saying talking very seriously like mark Marin, aisha tyler uh mike schmidt um pardo doug benson talking about like what podcasting meant to them and we knew what meant a lot to the fans you know because we all like you guys you get you have fan art on your wall and it's cool when you hear from the fans and you guys said you've traveled and met with fans which is just really cool i i'm very fortunate as a road comic i get to meet fans of our podcast every week and it is a really cool event and the emails we've gotten. And so we shot all this footage and we're like, we need to make a documentary. 
So we are doing a Kickstarter um, to do – it's a podcasting documentary. It's called Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. And basically there's some really great footage on the video of some of the things that these big name acts have said about what podcasting means to them. And we really want to show the connection between podcasting and the listener. And what it means is us uh, – you know, as guys and guys and girls, performers, when we've all been comedians and performing for a long time and how we found podcasting and what it means. Like there's a great line in there where Aisha Tyler says, you know, I don't speak to my own family for an hour a week, <laughs> you know, oh, that hits home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and as you guys know, podcasting without fans is not, there's no point, you know, like, and they make this happen. So, uh, you know, we've been on your show every year we come do this Academy Award thing and everybody out there listening. And I know some of your fans are our fans. If you go to comedyfilmnerds.com on the homepage is the top banner. It clicks right into Kickstarter and you can donate. And, uh, you know, we, it's an auspicious thing. We need $135,000. We've got about 10 grand of it right now. Um, we've got, we just launched it. We did a 40 day thing. So we got about 30 some days left, 31, 32 days left. So it's your way guys of being a part, like without fans, we can't have podcasting. And so it just makes it almost, it's almost better. We're doing this on Kickstarter because I want the fans to be involved in this financially and emotionally because the podcasting is kind of their medium. Mm -hmm. It's for you guys. Um, and one of the things we're going to do is we're going to – the money is going to go part of it to – we want to fly to some cities and, and, and show – I want to show a fan whatever like on some farm. Like I had a guy come up to me once and say that he, he was a young guy in his 20s and he worked on a farm in I think Wisconsin or something. He's like, I listen to you guys when I ride the combine. I'm like, yeah. what? Like I didn't – you know, and it's so cool and we have fans like – in other countries, I did a tour in Australia last year, every single show, and I did some like bar gigs out in the middle of nowhere. There would be at least one or two people walking up to me with like a comedy film nerds book saying, we love it. So uh, it's called Earbuds, and if you go to comedyfilmnerds.com, you can click right through to the page, or you can just search for it in Kickstarter. Yeah. It's, it's something, you know, oddly enough, it's a project that one way or another I assumed was going to be done at some point by somebody, right. because it's... It is so rare. I feel like there's a, there's a, a reason why stand-up comedians especially get into podcasting because you guys are used to dealing very one-on-one with fans, mm-hmm. like having as clear a connection with, with fans as possible. I mean, you're a few feet away from them, mm-hmm. and, so, and you're being yourself ostensibly. And so uh, – and I just thought like there's, there's, a, there's documentaries about everything. It's just a matter of time before there's one about this, and it is fascinating. Like we – you know, David and I, like, we're friends, and we've made friends through the through the podcast, mm-hmm. but then listeners, like, we got an email, I don't remember, I think, this was a few years ago. Okay. There was a guy who uh, is a Mormon, mm-hmm. and if you're familiar with Mormonism, which I am only a little bit, uh, they will go on, like, a two-year mission. Right. Uh, sometimes they go overseas, sometimes they stay here, but during that time, that's what they need to focus in on. And he said, I've been listening to you guys for a long time. I have to go on my mission. I can't be listening to you guys. And he's like, and I'm astounded at how much I'm going to miss you. And I was just like, miss? It's like, I recognize we're putting ourselves out there, but we're not actually friends, but we might as well be. 
They know it's, more it's about you than you possibly like. I'm, I've been around the road. You know, I went through a divorce two years ago, and I remember somebody came up to the show and they're like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, you divorced from your Brazilian wife," and I was like. How the fuck do you know that? And I was like, who? I was like, who the fuck are you? And I was like, oh wait, I'm sorry. I've talked about this on the show. I'm sorry. You know, like, I told you this information. Like, you know, I've done shows and fans have brought me coconut water because I drink it on the show. And 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 we, you know, like when I go, I'm on Doug Loves Movies a lot. And when we do play the Leonard Malton game, the fans they make signs that have are have samurai swords or comedy film nerd because we talk about that or batman or like i i jokingly said once you know bring me any sort of gluten-free vegan cookies or treats so now those show up at shows all the time they know so much about you and it is there is no you know i've been in show business since i was i've been performing since i was 18 Mm -hmm. you know i've done over 300 episodes of tv i've never had this type of a connection. And it's like, they said it in the New York times. They did an article about a year or two ago. They said, don't listen to comedians podcasting for the funny. Listen for the serious, for the real. Like Todd glass came out of the closet. He didn't do it on Jimmy Kimmel or Conan. He did it on Mark Maron's podcast. And, you know, and Pardo talks a little bit in the interview. That's again, in the Kickstarter video, you know, he went through a lot when his brother-in-law who was on their show. Yeah died and they that show and all of its fans had to kind of go through that grieving process together and the show helped people grieve through it i listened to the first episode they put out because i was bummed i knew andrew yeah you know and i i was on one of the last shows he did the second to last show i think and so you know and i know i know jimmy's wife and 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 everything and it was just like wow and one of the best episodes i've ever heard is mike schmidt talking about his wife leaving him like uh it, it's it was like, on never I, not funny or no it was on his own his show and boy. he just put it out there it was like it was right before like his 20th anniversary or something like that and it was just this long drawn out thing and and you know he's building to something you can tell in his voice something's going on and it's so heartbreaking but of course he's mike so he can still make it funny at times but it's just like you hear that and it's like that's something that comedians can't really can't do, do on, stage. on stage. You could do like a one man show and you can kind of do that, uh-huh. but like it's it, just, it's, it's not also, the same. Podcasting is incredibly intimate, even more so maybe than radio, because not only are you like listening to it right in your ears, because it's not live to uh-huh. however many people, you could conceivably be the only person listening at any given time. And it, it feels like that. It feels you know, like I think, you're talking right to that person. Yeah, or listening, like uh, one of the uh, people who was on the shows that was on the podcast that uh, I think hopefully will be in your documentary is uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Mm-hmm. And it's going to sound like I'm bragging because I am. Uh, I was into Night Vale before it was like all the cool things. <laughs> oh, you're such and a so, hipster. <laughs> hipster so, alert. Uh, but now, I knew it before it was mainstream. Um, but I have this thing now where I'm, A, I'm super happy for them because it's a show that I love and I love that people have come to it. But at the, at the same time, I also feel like no one loves it like I do. <laughs> like no one gets no one gets Night Vale on the level that I do. Oh, and, and it's because of that like intimate connection. And I you think have. too, like you say again, one of the things is most people are putting earbuds, and you're literally in their ears. Yeah. You know, it's not like old radio where you listen to it in your car or whatever. I mean, some people I'm sure listen to podcasting that way. Yeah. I know I know people tell me oh, I have it on the background when I do this or that. Mm-hmm. But most people, they're you're like personally like physically connected to them and that's one of the things we want to show in this documentary we want to show all that and we love you know hearing 
every show like this one and you have you everyone every show has oh we had this fan email us and you got me through this hard thing or you know and those stories we want to capture that on film i want to do two things i want the people that are already in podcasting to go wow i get to see more of it and more of the connection but the main thing i want to do i want those 80 percent of the people out there that don't even know what podcasting is to watch this and go fuck i want to be involved in this Mm -hmm. because whoever you are there's a podcast out there that's that's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't care what you're fucking into. I I can find a buddy of mine. I went to high school or uh, grew up with. He's a physician. He started listening. He was an ER doctor. There's some ER doctor podcast where just a bunch of ER doctors talk shop. And they're like, you know, when you get a gunshot wound and you got to do this and this and this, <laughs> like no one else is going to want to listen to that. But he fucking loves it. Yeah, it's. I actually kind of want to listen to that right? at least that's, once. That now. sounds pretty great. <laughs> I'm squeamish as fuck, so I couldn't. But yeah, it's it's pretty great, and so I'm very excited. I watched the video, and it was just fascinating to hear everyone what everyone had to say. And so I really hope everything goes well, and hopefully, uh, you listening, hopefully you can you can help out where where possible. Please okay. do. Thanks, guys. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Yes. Um, what, what, where do we want to start, uh, Tyler? You usually sort of have the reins on this episode. It, when we do because this. I'm usually pretty passionate about like three or four categories. <laughs> yeah, and because yeah. I I looked at the nominees last week, I have forgotten all of them. Okay. We'll talk about this for an hour and a half, and I will forget about all of them again. Okay, because I don't have a good memory for the Oscar nominees. Well, David, as and often, I'm not watching this year. I don't know if I I said that. You mentioned it last week. Last you, week, you, why? Not on purpose, because I will be in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, and it's the night of the Bacchus Parade or whatever, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to... In New New Orleans, I'm not going to sit in the hotel room and watch. We usually live tweet it, and last year I was on a cruise ship working, so I was like, (laughs) sorry, gang. (laughs) Hope the awards are fun. Yeah. So if if Mardi Gras weren't later than usual, and the awards are a bit late... Yeah, you're going to be neck deep in vomit and beads. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, yeah, so, okay, I guess I'll just jump in, uh, I don't necessarily want to go category by category, because that'll take too long, so I'll jump in with, first off, let's talk, hey, let's talk snubs. Okay. Uh, my, I'll say, I'll say this, I've long since gotten over the fact that my favorite film of the year is almost never nominated, or very seldom gets any major support. Right. Um, last year, my favorite movie was The Master, which got a handful of acting mm-hmm. things. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant script. I thought it was shot well, and I thought the music It was just freaked pretty... too many people out, and it was too much of a it's fuck a little... you to Scientology that there's no way. That <laughs> right, yeah. There's... That is your theory, not mine. Um, but, uh, sounds good to know, me. You're untouchable, Graham. I, you know, they could shut this, sh- this show down. Um, so uh, not all of us have a, you know, a black belt or something like that. <laughs> the fight through the Scientologist <laughs> ninjas that are going to attack us. But... Uh, but yeah, and so it just I've I've gotten over that, and so I'm not, and I won't I won't I always too too early reveal my favorite movie of the year. I don't think it's going to be changing. So, but I won't say it now. We'll we'll wait until uh, we talk about that. So, but what I will say is as, as far as a handful of snubs, the the big one that fascinated me, and I was a little more than a little dismayed at was uh, Tom Hanks for uh, Captain Phillips. I thought his performance was pretty amazing throughout and then it went from amazing to i would venture to say i think you and i have you both use the term revelatory at the end i think in the last 10 minutes of the movie he's doing the best yeah. acting he's ever done what and i i know this sounds like yeah. hyperbole if you haven't seen it but what he does in the last scene of captain phillips i'm not sure i've ever seen an actor do that before it's so amazing and you look at the, you look at the best actor list and it's like 
It's a strong field Christian this year, just in general. Bale for American Hustle. Yeah. Good actor, good part, but you could swap out Hanks and Captain Phillips for either that or Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Either one. Because they're both Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Great job. Mm. Good movie. American Hustle, good movie. I don't think American Hustle is that amazing. I think it's good. I'm with you. Uh, I think Christian Bale is good in it. But again, what you said about how Tom Hanks handles that. And then when you read the article that the director kept Hanks and the Somalian actors, they never met until that day of shooting, um, which was a brilliant move as a director. Um, and, And then what Hanks had to go through as an actor to show what this, I mean, because it's one of those things it's and it's so easily mishandled because how much experience does anybody know with being abducted and almost murdered? You know what I mean? Like how many actors know what that feels like? Yeah, what sense memory is he pulling yeah, what, from? What are you pulling from? How do you draw on that? How do you as a director shoot that? Like how do you write that? There's so many things about how do you know how to do it? And the fact that they got that down so well. I mean, that's just an amazing film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. It it just it just blows me away. Like everyone else, all right, the other people on the list. Okay, Bruce Dern, sure, yeah. fine. Nebraska for sure. Um, uh, I can't pronounce. His she, name. Would tell four. she would tell a She would tell a geo four. Of course, he should yeah, be he's on great. this. And Matthew McConaughey. It's between him and she would tell. Yeah, I haven't it's, seen it yet, unfortunately. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Dallas Buyers Club and 12 Years a Slave, I think are like two amazing, amazing films. I, I, I really like Gravity too. I really like Gravity too. I didn't I, flip over 12 Years a Slave, but I will, and I, uh, to go to uh, DiCaprio, I will say that as far as a character arc, there isn't really much of one. Uh, so uh, from a, from a, I'm not saying he's supporting, but from a pure lead standpoint, there's not a whole lot for him to do as far as changing. But... The real guy we, we, never changed. Yeah, <laughs> the real guy's a fucking asshole still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah maybe the lack of the arc is the, is the point. But uh, but just like he's required, the stuff he's been required to do the last couple of years between Django and Shane and this, and like to me, the amount of physical comedy in that movie that he's required to do when he's on the Quaalude scene and he's trying to get down those stairs, like that's some of the most amazing acting he's ever done. And he's and, not no, I mean he is not known as a comedy guy at all. No, and not they're at all. like I think I've said this before, and I know I've said it out loud, I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast before, but my screening, uh, like when people say that a crowd was howling with laughter. That's literally the sound that was coming out of the people in my screening during that scene. Yeah. It was howl, like peals, howls yeah. of laughter. So I love his performance, but what I will say is that like, and I thought Christian Bale, yes, very good, uh, solid performance, which is like, how can you even, like, yeah. look at what Tom Hanks is doing, look at what Christian Bale is doing. It's like, and I, I just don't understand the general support for American Hustle. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, I'm fine with keeping them on. Like, yeah, I think Bradley Cooper, that's here, probably the Yeah, here's career. my problem with American Hustle is it's, it's just – and this is, this is a standard sort of flaw of the Academy every year. Is it just – you put this group of names together and everyone just mm-hmm. goes, Oscar. Yeah, like, no matter yeah. what, the Oscar. It's just, like it's just a period cooking, piece based right. on a true story. Yeah. It's just, well, it's just a cooking show, Oscar. Like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's it's a reality show. Watching them do their laundry, Oscar, give them Oscars. Because I think about that and going to to the top of this of snubs. The lead actor in Fruitvale Station, 
That oh, yeah. movie has been snubbed across the board. Now, yeah. part of it's Michael quote, B. Jordan is his name. Michael yeah. B. Jordan, who was amazing in Friday Night Lights, uh-huh. the yeah. last season or two, two, two seasons, I think, of Friday Night Lights. Fruitvale Station was so snubbed. Now, part of it, quote unquote, snubbed is just because low budget movies don't have the money to yeah. campaign. So they need somebody or some entity to get behind them, and that didn't happen. Fruitvale Station should be in for best picture. It should be in for best actor. It should be in for best screenplay. Like it yeah. is amazing. And then, especially, and especially I know Octavia since- Spencer was apparently really good. I didn't see it. Apparently, she was great in it, she, and she's an Oscar winner. Yes. So like they, they could have done something with that, but yeah. It's a- and, and the fact that there's only, there, you can have 10 best pictures and this year they did nine and Fruitvale Station just, I don't know. I don't know why, like, I don't know why it just didn't get more anything. Like it is such an amazing film. That and the spectacular now are the two biggest, like, uh, glaring omissions from all of the award shows like mm-hmm. those movies neither one of them got much of anything from sag or from golden globe i'm sure there's they're in the indie spirits but at the same time so is 12 years a slave and it's like are you really going to compare it's like last year silver linings playbook a movie i really liked like it swept the independent spirit awards like it had like a 40 million dollar budget know, or I something know. or uh, no i'm sorry it wasn't 40 it was like what's the cutoff for the indie spirit awards like I 25 million yeah, so yeah. it was just under yeah. that and it's like how can you call that independent? It just it astounds me. Uh, that's, a different, that's a different like, rant. Uh, before we, yeah, we yeah. completely leave actors, I wanted to mention something, uh, which is this isn't like a snub. Like how could they? It's completely expected. But it's it's funny how like now a foreign language performance is not necessarily barred from being nominated for acting. It has happened before, but it seems like it's it's very rare. And I because my favorite lead performance of the year is Tony Servillo in The Great Beauty, which got, he, the f- film got nominated for Best Foreign Language uh, uh, Film, but I, I wonder, like, uh, at what point does it have to, it, is it about box office? Does it have to be, like, Life yeah. is Beautiful level box office yeah. before yeah. before a foreign for, of, of language? Because here's the thing you gotta understand, especially with the Academy, um, is you have to break that, you know, golden palace <laughs> of of inner circleness to, to for people to pay attention i mean you know and also and and i i'm i'm very critical of the academy a lot sometimes i feel like it's just some rich white hollywood country club that doesn't allow you know what i mean yeah. certain groups to join like it feels like that sometimes oh yeah the demographics i don't know they a couple of years ago it like came out about what percentage of them are like right. white males over 60 and it's yeah. like it's like a, a plurality or a two-thirds majority or something it's crazy so you have that but you also have in all fairness you've got people who work in the movie industry so how are they seeing movies when are they seeing them what are they finding you know what i mean so it's like you know i know some people that are in the academy and i don't feel them to be like rich elitist assholes it's just like i was i was in italy working on a movie for three months (laughs) and so they weren't just going to their local theater and so how are they going to get them and that's part of the you know just to sort of play devil's advocate here you know how do you you have to have a budget of several million of millions to tens of millions of dollars to just get these movies in these people's hands because they're not going to their local cineplex. They're having to hear about it somehow. You know what I mean? 
And then two thirds of them are rich white guys who just, you know, who, who just like, oh, I love, I had cocktails with David O. Russell, so I'm going to nominate him. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll tell you, uh, I will use this to transition into something else. Uh, speaking of like being in that inner circle and being able to, and if you can't break through, then that's one thing. But if you're inside, it's just like, okay, you're approved. We'll do that. I will now, I will now defer to my friend David. Uh, there's a certain uh, song. That was nominated for best song. Oh right, alone okay. yet not alone. From the movie Alone Yet Not Alone, which, right. from what I, from what I, what I've gathered, uh, I've heard the song. It's fine, uh, but it's from uh, a Christian film. Now, of course, listeners know that I am a Christian and I'm a movie guy. Boo! I, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was an odd choice. Um, but uh, but anyway, and so like. But I do try to I do try to take note of like any any even slightly notable Christian film that might be in any kind of awards contention or does well at the box office. This thing nowhere on my radar. So David, just how how was this film was this song nominated for? for well, an I Oscar? imagine it's on its merits. But one, if one were a little more cynical, you could point out that one of the writers of the song is a former governor of the academy. <laughs> oh, has a lot of well, weird. <laughs> yeah, there have been a couple stories about how he specifically called, like, personally campaigned. You have to do that unless you're like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, big budget, done. It's going to get Academy flavor. You know what I mean? It's going to get a whiff from that no matter what, even though I think it's okay. I think it's 25, 30 minutes too long. But do you think, again, if I'm being cynical, do you you think there's probably a certain number of the Academy who saw... Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and maybe didn't even see the movie and just voted for it. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. And so they're just going to go, oh, Martin Scorsese, David O. Russell. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting there. He's getting there. You know what I mean? For sure. And it's like, um, there's there's certain just Oscar bait subjects. You know what I mean? Now, Now, Dallas Buyers Club, I'm so glad... You know what you heard? Matthew McConaughey made sixty five grand on the movie. That was his, that's what that was his payday was, um, and you know he put up his own all that stuff. Yeah. So so that's good. And Matthew McConaughey is not like Oscar. This is the guy that did Failure to Launch. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. So, but he's been making a push, and so you know with like this trend of like Lincoln Lawyer and Mud and Lone Star. Um, he's really starting to make this push. So this is a movie that kind of s- snuck in. Um, but th- again, this one, I think, I want to say this one snuck in more on its merits because it, it got, it, you know, Sundance and people went, holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's a movie, like, again, I'm kind of a cynic, so it, it has all the trappings of a movie that I would end up hating, like it, that it has the risks of being mawkish and sentimental and and sort of like uh, coloring over, you know, reality. But I loved it because uh, mm. it, it's really true to life. Uh, it's really fantastic performance. It's another one that's similar to that is Philomena, uh, which, again, feels like a movie that I would hate, uh, but I thought was amazing. I don't well, know if Stephen either of you Frears, saw it. He doesn't. he tends not to step wrong. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not a big fan of High Fidelity, as you know. Yeah, that's uh, true. What? But you like The Grifters. <laughs> I never saw The Grifters, actually. What? Yeah, I know. Now, that's admittedly, a blind spot. that was... The Grifters is Twi- great. That was 24 years ago. 24 years ago. Yeah. But since then, didn't he do... Well, we're not going to go through Stephen Frears, but I like him a lot as a director, so uh, I'm not yeah, surprised. Um, and written by Steve Coogan. But that's another thing. Like, Philomena, before the campaign season, wasn't on anyone's radar. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the Weinstein Company thing, I guess you could say. But yeah. then I guess you could say 
if that's the Weinstein Company thing, then why isn't Food Fail Station nominated, which is also a Weinstein? Well, release? because they're gonna, well, the they're gonna, they're, they made their decision of like okay. we'll put we'll push this one, no, no, and not this one. That's absolutely correct. Right? Yeah. They, the Weinstein Company does that every year. They acquire movies, like if they've got they've got this movie that they think we're this is an Oscar movie, we're gonna push it, and they mm-hmm. see a movie that might compete with it, they'll just buy it and then put that one on the shelf. <laughs> Like yeah. no, I'm not. I'm yeah. not fucking around no, no. at all. That's exactly what that company does, and they've acquired movie after movie because they went whatever this this Oscar. I know this can win, and I know when it win. I know it'll do well in the box office. I know after it gets nominated, we can because a lot of these smaller movies don't get wide distribution. When they get nominated, now all of a sudden they go wide in January and February. You know, they got limited in in it's just New York and L. A. and yeah. December to get to get hopefully get the nod once they start getting the nod they go wide so i think that's what the the weinstein company's most notorious for that shit but and it obviously i mean that's pretty uh low but for philomena i'm actually kind of glad that a lot of people will see it because again it's i don't know and you didn't see it did you see it i have not seen it it's really really good i love judy dench and, and i like steve coogan so i think i will enjoy it but it's it's one of those things where part of me is just and this is me being you're cynical i mean i'm a i'm a frustrated idealist uh it's just all, this that's idea. what a cynic is. I right. know. That's I know, Graham. That's why I said it. All right. I know the quote. Yeah, and so, but I prefer to just stop before I get to the to saying cynic. Um, and it's just one of those things where part of me is like, yeah, all right. Philomena could be like the best movie. It could be one could say one of the nine best movies of the year, and just like, but I want it to get through on its own merit, and just like it doesn't. That's not how this works. Uh, no. Like, and then also, if we're talking about the Academy and Philomena, uh, we should talk, and we're talking about snubs still, an almost complete shutout for Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. And you have to wonder if that's because, are they going to, re- is, is the Academy given its age and its entrenchment in sort of the studio version of storytelling, are they going to favor yeah, right. this, the, the more, the more uh, recognizable uh, three act structure to a little, to a more rambling or Here, narrative? Here's what I, here's what I heard film. about Inside Lewin Davis, and that's from, um, somebody who works closely with the Coen brothers. An insider. An insider. Um, Lewin himself. Lewin, <laughs> Lewin Davis. Uh, he lives in my home. Um, and that was when the Coen brothers did True Grit, which was great. Mm-hmm. Big budget Coen. No. A lot of awards. The studio said to those guys, you can do whatever you want. And they said, we want to do Inside Lewin Davis. And they're like, accept that. <laughs> so they had to really struggle to get that movie made. And because it isn't, it's definitely a Coen Brothers film, of course, but it it it's so much more subtle and deep and it has all this hidden meaning with the cat and all this other stuff right. that I think even when I, you know, we just talked about it on the episode of Comedy Filmers today with Eddie Ift because um, Chris was, watched it again and, and sort of, was talking about how Laura House was on the show, didn't like it, read a review about it, and then watched it again and changed her mind about why she liked it because it is so subtly criticism finally vindicated yes. after hundreds of years. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, Chris was talking about how um, subtle the depth and complexity of that movie, which most Coen Brothers movies have. Yeah. But right there if you have to watch a movie twice, which I think is the mark of a great film, if you see it and the second time you go, holy shit, it completely changes my tone on it. 
but that's not going to get you nominated. But yeah, what, that's not happened to me. I, I saw Lewin Davis uh, at AFI Fest and liked it. Went to see it again with my uh, fiance on Christmas Day and loved it because it gives you. But I'll, I'll go back to the AFI Fest story. I, even though I told it back in November, I think it's pertinent to this conversation. We're talking about the Academy. Uh, the the difference between an AFI Fest like regular screening, which is most like people who really want to see these international films that are getting acclaim, mm-hmm. and then the gala screenings, which is mostly industry that I luckily got invited to as a uh, as a result of Battleship Pretension. Um, you know, I, I, so I went to this, this huge gala screening for Inside Lewin Davis. There was an after party afterwards, and the tone, being mostly industry, meaning a lot of people who are probably in the Academy or are like those people, uh, the tone was not. It was not an air of I liked that movie or I didn't like that movie. It was like that was weird. I wonder how it's going to do. Oh. It, it was all about like its saleability, but not gets, about its merit. Here's what gets me: is that like okay, so like Graham, you were just talking about like. Martin Scorsese, like people are just like, oh, Martin Scorsese made a movie. The Oscar. Immediately, it's it's in contention, and David O. Russell's there too now, I think. And I thought the Coens were there. You had No Country for Old Men, you had Burn After Reading, but you had A Serious Man, which is kind of an odd movie in itself. Right. Then you have True Grit, which is much more conventional. Like all three of those movies got nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. and it's just like. And I guess I just thought, okay, Coen Brothers, they've broken through. And when I saw Inside Lewin Davis, I thought, how, I, my first thought was like, wow, this movie is wonderful. And because it's the Coen Brothers now, like, it's going to be nominated for some Oscars. That's, it won't win anything, but how neat that is. And then it wasn't, and I just thought, I guess the Coen Brothers aren't there yet. I guess because well, they're always going to do their own thing. What do you think, to get back into the categories themselves, okay. what do you think will win cinematography? Which Is that the only thing Inside Lewis Davis is nominated for? Uh, so, uh, sound mixing or sound oh, editing. Okay. Yeah, mixing, yeah. Uh, some, okay, so uh, what's going to win? Cinematography? I think Gravity. I think if there's if there's to, a it has to be gravity if there's a technical, technical award gravity it has to be it has to be gravity because uh, let, me, let me look at the other one so you've got well the Grandmaster man is an amazing there's some amazing yeah. fight scenes in there uh, and then you've got uh, Nebraska I hate to say it but uh, prisoners if Nebraska was exactly was shot exactly the same way, but in color. Oh, would yeah, it be yeah. nominated? But would but, it be nominated? But that's that's a choice. That is a choice. So I, that's I, part of why it's nominated. I, I guess I, I recognize that. And I'll say about prisoners. I didn't like prisoners very much, but uh, it, it, but it's a shame that Roger Deakins isn't going to win because it's an amazing looking movie. I don't know if you saw it. It does look. It's it, astounding. Like it, there are images that are still sticking with the, me the, that are astounding. And it and it the thing about cinematography sound. And costume is usually the biggest one wins. The uh-huh. loudest movie, right. the yeah. craziest costumes. Best the, usually means most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but again, to prisoners. If you show the Academy just a scene near the end where Jake Gyllenhaal is driving in the rain with blood in his eyes, it's the most beautiful. The shot thing. composition in there is is amazing, and the use of the camera to tell that story is uh-huh. amazing. Um, here's why I think Gravity should and will win is because. He used it when anytime you start coming up with new technology, yeah. And I've been so, um, at like I am not a 3D fan at all, I don't like it for, for the most part. But this movie, seeing it in 3D, it you know, the it 
you have to see this movie, I think, in 3D because of the depth of space, which is part of the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Part of the story is where she is. You know what I mean? She There's only two places to tell this story, space or in the bottom of the goddamn ocean. Yeah. Like, which, is why, which is why when they retrofitted Finding Nemo in 3D, it worked surprisingly well. Right, yeah. right. Because it's the depth of the ocean and yeah. all that stuff like that. So I think, I think gravity has to win this just because it visually is amazing. When Alfonso Curion invents, any director invents new stuff and he used it the way he used it to tell the story and her isolation out there. I, I, I think it, I think it has to win. And some of these, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, inside Lewin Davis, I do think that's a beautiful movie. It like, is a beautiful mu- movie. And the, what they did with the color palette. Yeah. It is a color movie, but you feel yeah. like it's black and white and, and it's remarkably soft focused throughout like it's it's very very well, they wanted choice, it yes. to look like the i forget the name of that dylan album cover hmm that's what they said i want the movie to look like that interesting and so is it the one where he's walking down the middle of the street yeah and it's sort of black and white colorish what i forget what album that is a bunch of your fans are screaming right now right yeah because i'm not a huge just, dylan. i like dylan i don't i don't i'm not a yeah. you know dylanologist or anything Anyway, uh, what else? Uh, what what other things? Well, should we talk about uh, document? I know Graham, you're a big documentary mm-hmm. guy, so we end up talking about documentaries every year when you're on here. Uh, did you see these? I only saw two of them. Uh, I only saw one of them. Cutie in the box. You know, the, the the I actually haven't seen many of these documentaries yet this year. So, did uh, you see Act of Killing, which is I think the front runner? The Act of Killing is the one about the Indonesian. Uh, uh, I guess gangsters slash genocidists, oh, genociders. Yeah. It's astounding. You, yeah. You dude. will definitely want to watch it once and then never yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. It's that's, uh, I have to see more of these to really comment on them because I was, I know what that movie is about. I haven't seen it. I remember just seeing the trailer and just going, Oh man, I'll say this odd as it is. Cause by the time I saw it, I had heard so much about it that I was like, all right, emotions get ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then in watching it, it's like, all right, this wasn't quite as visually intense as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought I was going to see more things, but it's more just people telling stories and that's harrowing enough. That's fine enough. Um, But it's, uh, but it's definitely a movie that I think everyone should see. It's really, it's really wonderful. I saw it back in June at Los Angeles Film Festival. I had heard very little about it. I had the exact opposite like experience of not really knowing. Hey, what's this fun thing? (laughs) I knew that it was something that, uh, basically, what I knew about it is that uh, both Werner Herzog and Errol Morris had seen it and decided to jump on board as producers to right. get it seen by more people. So that's what made me want to see it. And then, and then the little blurb in the noted LA lighthearted film filmmakers <laughs> Errol Morris yeah. and Werner Herzog. Uh, I'll tell you a quick. They, I was, they do a lot of rom coms, right? Those guys. <laughs> I was supposed to see Twenty Feet from Stardom, but uh, streets and addresses in Los Angeles don't make any fucking sense because <laughs> there is because the Beverly Hills and. Uh, Los Angeles are different cities. There's a like 140 oh. South Doheny. Two, there's two of them, like yeah. two blocks from each other. Yeah, and I like showed up at the wrong building. And yeah, I, was, like, I almost supposed to be a I almost here? missed a screening doing that exact thing. Yeah, it's very frustrating. These are press screenings you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's like it, just go to the Wilshire one. That's the, if it if it shows there. <laughs> that's usually where I go. Let's go to Wilshire screening. Yeah, that's I love good, the Wilshire screening. That's a good screening room. It is a great screening room. Aside from you know the and you've talked about this like the. The old women in the back who oh, bring yeah, their yeah. own food and the oh, Tupperware yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that. Well, there's that candy bowl, and they're always <laughs> crinkling candy. Yeah. I remember when I was at what was it? I think it was I think it was Thirteen Assassins, and I finally went enough because <laughs> this guy was crinkling every goddamn piece of candy in there. Uh, well, the the best if we're getting really insidery, 
the best screening room for my money is the Dick Clark screening room on Olympic because not it only never do they ages. Have, uh, it does. That's right. <laughs> GrahamElwood.com. Not only do they have candy, like, uh, 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 but they also pop popcorn mm. and put out like on I the haven't table, been in the screening room. On the way, I don't like, think the, I have either. Yeah, the guy who works there has like one of those little pop like oh, popcorn makers. Makes like however many, <laughs> there's only like 25 seats or whatever. He makes like 25 little things of popcorn and sets them out at a table by the front door. You get to think of popcorn when you walk in. It's my favorite screening room because I've, and it's super comfortable. Is, wait, is this why? Is this why I've never been there? Because you, <laughs> yeah, you snatch up everyone. I, jump, I don't care what. I saw, <laughs> that, you I saw that, that email. You just I got it. I'll see that one. I'll I saw that, that awful documentary about JD Salinger there, and I was like, I don't give a fuck. It's two and a half hours. <laughs> wait a minute. Of popcorn. I never saw that. I wanted to see that. That uh, was a bad film. It's so ridiculous. It, it, it thinks, showed up on a surprising number of like worst of the year lists, which is really interesting. It's, to me. it's so sensationalistic and seedy and like exploitative, and like the music is just like, and it focuses way way too much on like him like fucking young women. And like all this stuff that is, it's not, it's, it, it just really seemed insulting in a lot of ways. Not that I'm like a huge Salinger guy, but it just seemed like this is what we're going to do for two and a half hours is have this like super intense music. Like you're uncovering mysteries, but it's just all about him liking young women. and Like an E! True Hollywood story or something. It's very much, that's a perfect, it was very much like an E! True Hollywood story version of Salinger. So it's just one interview after another going, yeah, I'm a, I would have wrote Catcher in the Rye when I come back to my apartment and <laughs> right. all these jokes. Yeah. And then when it wasn't that. autofocus, <laughs> but instead of Hogan's <laughs> Heroes. <laughs> Focus. The Bob Crane movie. Uh, and when it wasn't that, it was a parade of famous people telling you how good Catcher in the Rye is, which is like, I could read the fucking book. That's my problem, by the way, while we're on documentaries. Uh, there were a couple documentaries over the past year about um, musicians that I like. There was a documentary about Big Star, and there was a documentary called The Punk Singer about Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill. Both things I'm huge fans of. And because I'm a huge fan, I don't really need to sit in a theater for 90 minutes and hear you tell me why I should be a huge fan. I'd rather just listen to the records. Yeah. I, and so I, I would recommend both those movies to people who maybe don't know that much about Big Star or about Bikini Kill. But if you already are a fan, you already are a fan. You don't need yeah. to watch it. Yeah, that's how I felt. It's... I think it's being released in March, but the the Errol Morris film, The Unknown Known, which you and I have had a lot of fun because with. Because you're title. already a big fan of Oh, Donald I love Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld. I mean, <laughs> listeners know I'm conservative. And you can't be conservative without loving rock star Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, that's why there's this big uh, poster of Donald Rumsfeld behind me. <laughs> Theater of the mind. Um, but no, Donnie Rums. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like as opposed to Fog of War, you where you might actually be challenged in whatever it is you might think mm-hmm. of McNamara, you go into this just like, if you liked him, if you liked him already, which I don't know of a lot of people that do, but like if you if you liked him already, this isn't going to change your mind. If you don't like him, you're just going to continue not liking right. him. It's just that kind of thing where it's like, ah, I think Morris might have been too close to it. But that's that's yeah. neither here nor there. If we can get back to Fog the of War. Fog uh, of War is a great documentary. It, yeah. it is it. a great document. That's in, in my one of my in the comedy filmers guide to movies. My in the documentary section. That's my one of my top ten. Fog of War. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, while we're on documentaries, and because I, I love uh, I love your idea of having of talking about snubs, uh, and I know you didn't. Did you see Tim's Vermeer, the documentary no. that uh, Penn and Teller made? No, it's unbelievable. It's so great. Uh, it's basically about this guy who's a he like uh, made his fortune inventing like television equipment and video editing equipment, and he's just a huge like obsessive nerd about stuff, and he's fascinated with uh johannes vermeer the painter did like girl with the pearl earring and stuff and is convinced because there's like i guess there's always been theories that um vermeer and other painters of his ilk used like a camera obscura to project actual images onto a wall and then like painted based on those and this guy has this 
this theory that no, it was more than that. He had the camera obscura go onto a mirror, and then he looked, and he basically that he was trying that Vermeer's paintings were recreating photographs. Is it like uh, they didn't have photographs back then, but they were sent more almost closer to photographs mm-hmm. than actual paintings. Mm-hmm. So he spends who knows how much of his own money and literally five years of his life researching Vermeer. He rents a warehouse and builds two perfect specification a room that looks like the room in one of the Vermeer paintings. He has his uh, daughter dress up in the costume, which he's had made to the specification. And then he spends literally a year just looking in this mirror and tracing the painting and creates his own it's Vermeer. It's all about this guy? It's about the process of him making, the five years of him making this Vermeer recreation uh, painting, and it's unbelievable. I like documentaries about obsession, and it yeah. sounds like this is a, a big one. It's I, great. I, when it's handled correctly, and it sounds like this is, one of the things I don't like about certain documentaries, when they go into sort of a subculture, and it's like, hey, look at the freaks. And it's yeah. like, well, I don't know if that's like condescending, or I hate it when they do that. But here's the thing with this that what what this documentary is really about and goes back to what we were talking about with gravity is that um there are some people especially in the art world who push against the idea that Vermeer was using camera obscuras and meters and stuff like that because there's become a separation between over here is art and over here is science and those of us who are fans of cinema which is a an art form that actually that depends on technology and that grows with growth in technology. David, we're it, talking about the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science. Exactly, and so this is a movie about the fact that art and science, or art and technology, are not actually apart, but are actually they're part of the same thing. They they can be one and the same. So it's it's not just about this weirdo. It has a bigger right. theme to it. Well, that's cool, and and it's, it's one of the things I I do say every year. It is one of the categories that the Academy kind of gets right every year in the sense that. They find five movies you've probably never heard of, mm. or, or or there's at least one. Even if you're a big documentary fan like I am, or you guys are, there's always at least one or two, sometimes three movies that are nominated. They go, I didn't know a damn thing about that, and the Academy is now bringing this to my attention, yeah. which is a great thing. And they've done that year after year, and, they, and they've they've brought some amazing films into the mainstream. When We Were Kings, uh, Born Into Brothels, you know, movies like that that are like, thank God they went out and find this. I always, I just wish they would do this with them. And I realized the the best picture, and now we're getting into money and uh, the uh-huh. economics of Hollywood, and which is all that stuff. Why a movie like Fruitvale Station or The Spectacular Now is going to get snubbed because you've got big box office people involved in the, in the, in the American hustles of the world. But- I like it when documentaries do this, uh, or when the, the Academy, yeah, the Academy yeah. does this. And with it's documentaries. it's interesting regarding documentary because there is a documentary that has like been making the rounds and making a fair amount of money, and that's Blackfish, and that was not nominated. There's now, always one because I, I don't yeah, know the specifics. Yeah. There's a we, the nominating process for documentaries has come under fire going back all the way to '94 when Hoop Dreams wasn't nominated. Ugh. So every year there's people arguing that like this is so got, because what happens I think, and I don't know the specifics of Blackfish, which again is something that I think should have been nominated. Um, but again, the, the because documentaries, especially now in the digital technology, and you can just go out and shoot something, you can do it a lot cheaper. Um, you don't have to, you know, 20 years ago, you had to shoot it on 16 millimeter, which was so expensive. Like this documentary, our Kickstarter thing, if we were to do that on film, it would probably double or triple the 70 cost. millimeter, right? Yeah, yes. That's 70 millimeter yeah. interview with Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> um, so... Uh, 
you know, uh, part of it is too, and having gone through this as a guy that directed a documentary is you're just out there trying to get it seen. You're trying to, and you screen it here and screen it there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't submit it because it didn't do this. And it has to be in a theater for a week. And there's all yeah. these specifications. And some of those cost a shit ton of money. Now I'm sure Blackfish had the money. Yeah, it's a CNN film. Yeah, it's I a CNN film. Okay. I think they had the money, but then again, did they air some of it on TV? I don't know if it has anything to do with TV. It oh yeah, because it did air on it CNN air on after CNN. its theatrical run. It knocks yeah. it out of it. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Shit like that. And it's weird because I'm torn on Blackfish because I think as a movie, like there are some questions that it asks but it doesn't answer there's there are questions that it answers but like two different conflicting answers i'm not part of me is like you're so you're so desperate to explore as much as possible that you i think you explore too much and you don't realize that you're canceling yourself out but that's but as a film it's still remarkably emotionally effective and it's one of those mm-hmm. rare films that is trying to make a change and is right like right. Really there's is. a lot there's yeah. a lot going on with with sea world right now like there are performers canceling their performances there like people are doing boycotts like Anytime, like and in the, and like uh, SeaWorld put out, uh, they put out a, a an in depth statement, and it's like when they do that, you know that something's happening. Oh yeah. Otherwise, they'd be like, just don't, just ignore well, it. Well, because SeaWorld started to make in the last 10, 15 years, like we want to be more of a theme park now. Mm-hmm. They put roller coasters and shit like that in there, and that's when they started hiring big name acts to play, yeah. like rock shows and stuff. So when those people are canceling, yeah, you're you're not this cute little aquarium that does shows like, so that means you have a giant overhead and you need to hit that number every goddamn month or you're in trouble. And blackfish has really hit them where you're hurt. And that's what you have to do now. If you want to affect some kind of change, you got to go to the wallet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause going to trying to get laws passed and stuff is, yeah, you got to go money first and then the laws will change. Yeah. Damn right. Follow guess, the money. Uh, Fuck yeah, bitch. Before we leave uh, documentaries, <laughs> um, did either of you see Narco Cultura? No. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is about um, – It's it tells two stories. It, ta- it takes place uh, – or part of it takes place in Ciudad Juarez. I did see the trailer for this. It's, it's super a, cool. It's the music about – Well, that's – yeah, one of it it, oh. it, it follows on one hand one of the like crime scene investigators from Ciudad Juarez who are like routinely assassinated. Like they have – they wear masks while they're on scene. They like hard, they hardly leave their house when they're home because uh, the, the 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 cartels want to kill them for trying to catch them for murdering people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is this American in Los Angeles who yeah is part of this uh, narco corrido scene who they write they are paid essentially by by the cartels in some ways or by gangsters who want to up their ante to write songs about them and they're incredibly popular. And uh, unbelievable glamorizing popular. the cartel violence. So it's yeah. a lot like active killing in some ways, like using like people trying to use art to kind of like uh, propagandize their own yeah. terrible things. I guess, yeah, in a way, yeah, and that's then interesting. It, and then it catches on. Yeah, it's, it makes it's it a even, huge thing. The trailer, yeah. I was like, oh wow, Man. and you see these interviews with these young kids, like I love this music, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. But it's one, of the, uh, it's one of those things when they're with the crime scene investigator, you worry for the like director and the cameraman, like because these guys could get assassinated at oh, any the moment. The cartel does not fuck around yeah. at all. Like it's brutal, man. Yeah. Uh, like if you I know, watched I, Breaking Bad, you should. Know <laughs> this. 
Uh, I know we need to we need to move on, so I'll, I okay. want to bring up one more category, and then maybe we'll do a quick like will win okay. should win kind of thing, which is okay. fun. Oh, I'm bad at that, so I'll sit that part out. Okay, I want to bring up one more category too. Maybe right. it's the same one. Uh, animated no, feature no. film, uh, Monsters University. I'm not okay. I recognize that Pixar is kind of the, the sure. powerhouse usually, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that just because Pixar has a film in contention that doesn't mean it should be nominated. I didn't like Cars two. I thought Brave was not great. But I like Monsters University way more than I expected to from a Monsters, Inc. prequel. But, uh, but I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm astounded that, like, you know what? I didn't see The Croods. I didn't, spe- I didn't see Despicable Me 2 based on what people said. They're fine, and that's it. But it's just like – and I'm not a huge fan of Frozen, but I'm alone on that one. You really are. <laughs> the, the more I that find the out. is on this list is like, what the fuck? Yeah, I wonder if it's. I wonder if there's a certain degree of backlash. Despicable against... Me too. Yeah, <sighs> and maybe maybe they just are tired of giving Pixar stuff. I don't know. I guess. I, I, I mean, I, I honestly, saw Ernest the... and Celestine. It's delightful. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I like when they. Would you put that ahead smaller. of Frozen? I didn't see Frozen. That's Frozen. I, I really liked. It. I know. I have a screener at home. I want to watch it. I like. You know what? I like that song. That's probably going to win best song. Sure. And I'm fine with that. But yeah, it's. But that's the thing is is oh, this is a bad the crude's and despicable me is just like these are bad movies. Was it <laughs> just, this, was it just like or was it that light of a year for animated? I think it was though. I mean, like there's no uh, there's no like uh, mainstream American animated film that 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 took off. I think with both audiences and critics the way that uh, other Pixar stuff has done in the past. Yeah, it's not. Or even not, not it's not it, Wally. It's not, yeah. you know. But if there's not even 3. a Paranorman right, this year. Not, there's nothing from, from Leica Studios, which yeah, would probably yeah. There's nothing help. that, there's no like How to Train Your Dragon. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. Nothing and like, so I wasn't, I was just kind of bummed just because, and you know what, again, haven't seen Crudes, haven't de- seen Despicable Me too, but I saw the first one. And, uh, and Crudes, is the, the trailer is, is like somebody spitting in your food. <laughs> Like it looks it's bad. Ju- it's yeah. just it's just stupid. And maybe the anime that's the thing maybe the the story is bad but maybe the animation is is beautiful. Sometimes that's enough. Uh sometimes it's it's like again best is most. It's well this is the most animated and admittedly despite the fact that like the monsters themselves are weird looking like it's about a bunch of people going to college. Like maybe yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. think that it's that impressive. I don't know. So is Frozen the favorite here? You think? Oh yeah, to win it has to be. Because w- when a foreign language animated film is nominated, the nomination is the prize, right? With both yeah, yeah, yeah. and the winner. He won for Spirited Away. Oh, did he? Um, okay. But that also really so. that also had some U.S. box office. Behind. Yeah, and, and I think too, the Crudes and Despicable Me is filler because, like, I, I guess the like we just said, and it's probably in the eyes of the Academy as well. It was a, it was just a light year for yeah animated so i think it's like well we're gonna give it to frozen we'll give some foreigners a pat on the back (laughs) and we'll fill it with some other nonsense you know like just because now we can have you know the 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 crudes and despicable me have big name people playing those voices which helps in the promotion and the academy loves having you know, get a nice red carpet going with all these yeah. people in there. So they're going to nominate yeah. shit like that. Man, these, you know, we've been doing these episodes for like, I think the last four years, mm-hmm. roughly, they get more cynical over time. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I haven't gone back and listened to one in a while, but it's like, it's been a while since I think the three uh, of us and then Chris in the past have been like, well, that's the fucking Academy. They like their money. They like their, 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 <laughs> yeah. their red carpet and all that kind of thing. It's like, um, so... Academy historian Tyler, can okay. I ask you a question? Since the introduction of the animated feature category, yeah, has 
a film won that that was specifically like not for kids because the wind rises is not a kids movie it is not a kids movie movie. um like there was the uh what's the the triple de belleville was nominated but i don't think that one um you know i don't i don't think so i don't have it in front of me but i don't think so i think you had you know stuff like waltz with bashir uh, which I didn't see, but uh, oh, what about, I think that was nominated. Uh, Persepolis did that win? No. Okay, because that was um, great. Well, all right. What do you yeah, want? What, what's your next category? Okay, the, the other thing I wanted. To, oh yeah, that's right. to, to talk about in uh, adapted screenplay is so before Midnight is an adapted screenplay just because it's a sequel. I guess so. Yeah, that mm-hmm. seems. I mean, I, I get it, but it also seems weird, right? Because yeah, it's you're not, not based you're adapting on it because it, the characters existed before. Yeah, but it's a totally new story. I want so is anything that's a sequel automatically adapted screenplay? Oh, I guess so. Would question. like uh, well, I guess The Godfather Two is a bad example because they took a lot of stuff from the book, The Godfather. Yeah, I'm trying so to think. That of, like, would be really, adapted. You technically yeah. that would uh, Godfather uh, Two would be adapted. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think of but a would really, Godfather like, Three because they didn't get right. anything from the book. Well, there. no, they adapted that from uh, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> <laughs> The Beverly Hills kids go to Palermo, I think, right. was that episode that they adapted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where they're all working in a resort together, like I'd say by the Bell of Malibu. Oh. And he all starts right. shaking because he needs orange juice. So I just wanted to bring that up because it seemed it, it always seems that's weird when question. that happens. And that's what happened with uh with Before Sunset as well. That was nominated for adapted screenplay. And so it's just And yeah, it's it's because sequels are so seldom embraced by the Academy in the screenwriting uh, awards. What do you think should or will? All right, want to do should wills? You want to burn through some should wills? Bam. Okay, picture. Uh, No, let's go. Let's go. Let's go from the bottom to the top. Visual effects. Gravity, gravity. I'm fine with both of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Oh, watch out. uh, Will gravity should Iron Man three. (laughs) <laughs> all right i like your pronunciation <laughs> i always any any super any superhero i always say iron man spider-man batman i like that, I like that. Yeah, and and pick, yeah. and um uh um lone ranger should because it got nominated um that whole everyone involved in that should be put on trial for treason <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> crimes against humanity like they should reopen nuremberg and put everyone involved in that on Into trial the Hague with you <laughs> Uh, uh, somebody, a friend of mine pointed out, Hey, just, uh, for the record, uh, Lone Ranger got nominated for as many Academy Awards as Inside Lewin Davis. Just putting that out there. Oh and I was like, God. Oh, <laughs> and I immediately, crime. I immediately pulled up the bell. I'm like, that can't possibly be true. Right. <laughs> I went, I've railed on this movie so hard when that got nominated. So many people on Twitter were like, Graham, you must love this. And I was just like, <laughs> that's the thing. I, okay. So I was, I was interning for a, a low level producer who was one of like a million producers who had worked on transformers. And what? This is so us to be like, all right, bang, we're going to run through these. First one, we're totally sidetracked. <laughs> but uh, we got 14 more to go. All right, 20 well, got, years of it. So, so I was interning at his office the day of the Oscar nominations. And so Transformers got nominated for, you know, sound, sound editing and, and visual effects. And so like we had to field so many calls of congratulations to him, one of the producers of this that is not nominated for picture or anything like that. And one thing that I just want to say is just like this terrible movie is nominated for the, the only awards it ever could be. Nothing like screenwriting, right. nothing like right. acting, nothing like visual effects. Good for them. Good, good that they sure. did that. But just like, do we really need to? I guess Hollywood, you'll celebrate what you can. But just like, are we really going to celebrate this? Yeah. The pr- one of seventeen producers is going to 
accept the congratulations right. for sound editing. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's like Shaquille O'Neal winning for slam dunks. Like, okay, got it. Okay. Uh, film editing, I think it'll be gravity. All okay. the uh, Okay, I think it will be gravity. It's hard to argue against gravity in any technical category, but I do think Captain Phillips was really well That put would together. be my should probably Captain Phillips. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would go should well on that. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. nice. Real quick before we jump past it, I am just really looking at the list, realizing I've seen one of these documentary short short subjects. It's called Facing Fear. Oh look at you. And it's about uh there was um this kid who was like an 18 year old sort of um uh, runaway gay hustler in like the 70s or 80s um who one day um in west hollywood while he was just standing in the corner got beaten almost to death by a group of neo-nazis and then there's one of the neo-nazis who um went on and after like growing up a little bit reformed and actually started volunteering and helping people and they both volunteered at oh, the I museum have- of tolerance here in los angeles at the same time and after like a day or two realized how they knew each other and it's about their sort of like dealing with that and and now they like lecture together but it wasn't like an easy like reconciliation it wasn't uh the hate guy beat the shit out of it like ah get over here Ah, (laughs) we've all had bad days yeah Yeah. they didn't take care of in the 30 second montage (laughs) um yeah so uh, i saw that it's really good Okay, that sounds great. Uh, that sounds like that almost sounds like feature length. That's unfortunate. Maybe yeah. it could be. Yeah, no, it's know. not that long. It's only like uh, twenty five minutes or something. Interesting. Uh, okay, and it occurred to me. I in I jumped to film editing. I skipped over makeup and hairstyling. I've only seen Dallas Buyers Club, so I'm going with that one. Okay. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen any yeah. of these. I saw Jackass. That they did a good job in that. Yeah. Um, the Lone Ranger nominated for makeup and hairstyling is is. Maybe the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever because it's it's offensive the makeup that he's got on. It's oh, offensive yeah, I mean. to humans, let alone Native Americans. He has a crow on his fucking head the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing, and the fact only three films were nominated. Like, really, the Lone Ranger. I mean, yeah. just a movie where they use like uh, American Hustle. I mean, I mean, American Hustle doesn't just get one just because it's a big because right. they got crazy wigs and Christian Bale looks right. like a fat bald dude. Like, or if Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels the Butler was going to get nominated for anything, it would have right? been here because because it, it it went through all those actors playing all those presidents. It yeah. went through what 30, 40 years yeah. of yeah. hairstyles. What the fucking Lone Ranger, get the fuck <laughs> off the planet. <laughs> All right, documentary feature. I think I haven't. I've only seen Act of Killing, but it is the front runner, okay. so I think that's going to okay. win. Cutie in the Boxer was good. It's grown in my estimation since I saw it. Okay, oh. uh, costume design. I'm iffy on this one because they're, they're all they're all period pieces, of course. Yeah, uh, I would probably give it to Twelve Years a Slave. I think actually. it's. I think oh, Will Win will be so Twelve Years a Slave. I love. I'm a, Here, here's what I'm. Will Win Twelve Years a Slave should the Grandmaster. Okay, this movie, foreign film. Uh, it's about. Uh, Ipman who trained Bruce Lee. There's been a bunch of movies about this guy and it is, it is more, it is sort of kind of like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, very stylized artistic version of a martial art film, which yeah. is beautiful. But it also, also means that you don't get to learn anything about him. I felt, I, I felt yeah. kind of turned off by the grandmaster and I'm a fan of the director. I, you know, I think, you know, that's an excellent point. I know so much about him. So I went in, if you don't know much about him, you might come away going, uh, huh? 
Uh-huh. Um, so that that's an excellent point. But I already knew so much about him, so I was just like, oh, cool. Now a a, a prettier, <laughs> more slow mo fight sequence right. version of this dude. So I dug that, and it got such a limited release. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how anyone in the academy is even going to know it, that it what it is. Yeah. So there's no way it's, I don't think it's going to win. Here's where I'll make my annual case. There should be a best stunt slash choreography Oscar. And this one would get it. If only for, there's a scene, there's a fight between two characters in an old house. They decide it would be a shame to break anything. So they decide we're going to fight. And the rules are the first person to break anything in the house is the loser of the fight. It's amazing. It's really cool. (laughs) That sounds so awesome. (laughs) Really cool. Oh man, that's great. All right. Boy, oh boy! I, I, you know what? I wasn't super thrilled about the Grandmaster, but that you alone got, sounds I, it's, great. There's there's a slow mo fight sequence in the rain that is just. We saw a trailer of it at uh, Comic Con this past summer. At Rick Myers' uh, Kung Fu Extravaganza that he's had Chris and I in the last two years, and because he always brings martial art movies that are kind of obscure and stuff like that, and that's the first I had heard of it, and I was like, wow! And then I saw it when it came out. I, I would. Uh, this- the city planners there need to be fired. There, I don't care how long it's been raining. There's no reason you should have two and a half inches of standing water on a public street. <laughs> <laughs> that is poor engineering. Block up the drains. We're going to have a fight. Uh, now, real quick, I know that uh, you know we got to we got to keep it moving. But the, I, I did see a movie somewhat recently that I feel like Graham, because who he is, and David, because I know you've seen this movie. I finally got around to seeing Master of the Flying Guillotine. Oh, oh that's a great movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. So much fun. And David, yeah. I, I remember you telling me years ago when we lived together, you'd just come from the music box in Chicago. That's what I saw. No, no, I saw it at theater. the I, I saw it at the landmark. At the landmark. Yeah, okay, I did. All right. The, the music, music box, box is a great theater. The music yeah. box in Chicago is fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we saw the uh, the 40th anniversary of uh, Lawrence of Arabia there. So they had the full. That oh, was wonderful. Anyway, I last saw time that, was a music I box. Saw, oh, go ahead. I saw this that at the Cinerama Dome. I oh, just moved nice. to L.A. Oh, a bunch nice. of us all went to go see that, and it was fucking epic, man. Yeah. Last time was the music box about a little over a year ago. We saw Mike Birbiglia's movie um, oh, Sleepwalk. Sleepwalk with Me, yeah. which another category of Oscars that would never that I would like a fun Oscars would be best use of the word fuck in a PG thirteen movie because <laughs> you only get one. Yeah. And Sleepwalk with Me has the best one when he tells the the, uh, the guy behind the bar. I'm not paying for these fucking chicken wings. That's <laughs> part. It's my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, All right, but yeah. So, Master of the Flying Guillotine. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I absolutely loved. I've been repeating this line to myself <laughs> for 12 years because I told you about it. Because you told me about it, and I laughed so hard at the time that I I was waiting for it, and it did not disappoint. Which was the character wins without a knife. Uh-huh. That's his name. Wins without a knife, like Dances with Wolves. Uh-huh. Uh, that's his name, and then he wins his his. <laughs> His duel by pulling a knife and stabbing somebody. But then the line, the guy watching goes, so he did have a knife after all. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you, can, if you can find it, go get it. Uh, okay, original song. Uh, I, aside from... I only saw her, so I'd go with that one. I do really like that song, it's Let nice It Go, song. from Frozen. It's a, it's a great oh, okay. sequence. And, I like that. And I like that, yeah. I like the moon song. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Oh, it's Karen. O- oh, yeah, I bet I would like it. So, yeah, so I feel like I feel like that's going to win. I have no frame of reference for anything else about what should win. Right. So, right. Uh, original score. Oh, we didn't talk about this in terms of snubs, but the Golden Globes actually got this one right. I think with All Is Lost. I don't know if you've watched it. Uh, I've not. But, I've not watched it yet. Yeah, that's a good score. All right. Um. So okay, original score. I think it will be. Gravity. 
I, my should is going to be saving Mr. Banks. That is a good. That's a good score. Yes, I like her again. Okay, her. all right. Oh, so we're all we're split on this Splitting. one. Sound editing. I think it's going to be it's going to be gravity. And let's go ahead and say it should be. Okay. I don't know. I, again, all is lost is made by the sound, uh, both the music and the sound of that movie. Because there's no talking in almost all the movie. Right. A lot of it is the sound. It's it, it's a really good. I will, really good work. Say, I will say, as far as snubs go, in both sound categories, I thought this, the use of sound in 12 Years a Slave yeah. was so powerful. It felt like a horror movie. Oh, and, that, and I, I loved know, it. Like, I that's really... a movie I don't love, but there are a lot of aspects I love about it. And I wonder if it's just not it. showy enough. Well, <laughs> you know? Like, seriously, do they need the sound of a bullet ricocheting to say, oh, that's going to get nominated for yeah. sound editing? Yeah, I mean, sound editing, like, what they did to just sort of viscerally make you feel like you were watching this guy get beat or yeah. whipped or whatever was like yeah. that was uncomfortable which was which is good sound whether I mean, it be like the paddle boat going which sounds like just deafening or yeah, i love it i won't ruin this for listeners because it's the most powerful scene in the film for me the quiet sound of squishing mud underneath <sighs> his feet yeah. like uh, it's it's amazing. Anyway, uh, so for sound and mixing and editing, I think it's going to be gravity sure. in both. I, you can't argue against that right. winning right. things. Uh, cinematography, we talked about that one already. Okay. Production design, I don't know. Uh, uh, this I would give to Gatsby. Okay, a, which I, I haven't seen. But. I love Gatsby, but I'm going to give it to her again because of how um, well um, modern-day Los Angeles and modern Shanghai mm-hmm. were sort of melded together. Um, into a believable futuristic uh, city. Look so that's your should because will it'll go. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm only saying should. Baz Luhrmann is just—they're just gonna—they already mailed them the goddamn award. <laughs> Here you go, Baz. This yeah. is what you get. So you you think it's it's hands down it's going to be Gatsby? I just think because of of first of all, I thought Gatsby visually or, or, or the production design of it was amazing. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it is. And it's also because it's so big and glitzy that plays right into the yeah, Academy's wheelhouse. Uh, animated feature. I think it's going to be frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I only saw Ernest and Celestine. I'll vote for that. Okay. All right. Go get him. <laughs> Un- under- <laughs> go get him, tiger underdog story. Okay. Uh, original screenplay. I think it's going to go to American hustle and, of the ones I've seen, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club or Her yet. So of the ones I've seen... Her would be my should. I'm really in the tank for Her as I'm I discovering guess. going yeah, through yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the script for Nebraska is by far the worst thing about it. I think any problem I have is a pro- is a, the work of a first-time screenwriter. I got to go... I think it's Dallas Buyers Club because okay. I think um, the dialogue in there and accurately capturing... What one of the most compelling parts about the film was he wasn't gay. Mm -hmm. He's a fucking rodeo roughneck Texas guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like faggot and he drank and fought and and they captured that correctly. And part of it is Matthew McConaughey is a Texas guy. So he knew how to to play those. He knows those how those guys talk. But I thought to me the dialogue captured him. And then the dialogue between him and like Jared Leto and and I, I and and. Like Jennifer Garner and those and those scenes where she's in the doctor's office and she is legally watching what she's saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? I to yeah. me like the dialogue in there was like, wow, it was so sharp hmm. and and it conveyed all of their characters in a lot of what they didn't say, which again is is a 
part of a good script. And yeah, also that's absolutely. also that's also acting and directing too in there. But I mean that's what makes yeah. the whole thing. But I, yeah. I I really I really go. I'm I'm a I, big Dallas Buyers club. I also think that that, it, that might be a strong vote for will win because of um you know the again the academy being insidery and liking that sort of uh backstory stuff the fact that the screenwriter went and did like 70 hours of interviews with Ron yeah. Woodruff like months before he died like that's a that's a good backstory right. and that might be compelling right. enough to get yeah. people to vote for it uh adapted screenplay I think it's probably I think it's definitely going to go to 12 years a slave mm-hmm. I I wasn't a huge fan of that script um I, I think it should go to Wolf of Wall Street. That's what I was Because I, I think it's just, and not merely because he uses the word fuck all the time. I believe that has the record now, right? Yeah, it's like 500 yeah. and something. But when the movie's six hours long, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. They're stacking the deck. Um, but it's just, uh, I, I, I kind of like just how batshit crazy the, the script was willing to be. And I know there's some ad lib in there, but like like when he, when he uses uh, voiceover, Sometimes when a, when voiceover voiceover is used like inconsistently in a film, it bothers me. Mm-hmm. This one, somehow I'm just like I'm like yeah sure throw everything at the wall and just see what happens. <laughs> see that's why I didn't like it. Okay, because I thought it was I just thought this movie was too. They, it was it, it should have been they should have cut a half hour out of it. Mm. Um, and I thought the script likewise was repetitive over and over and over. I, I kept I, I I just and. Because there was improvisation, I know in there, which is good and makes for a good film when you have the right actors and the right director. That's not a script thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like that's, that's that's casting, and so well, let me argue in favor of it being uh, overlong and excessive. Um, uh, you like repetition? You like no, the I, same I think, uh, here, coke I'll, up scene I'll quote, every time? Um, uh, our friend Brett, who I went to see the movie with. Um, is uh, he said on the way to the car? He was, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly, but something like the movie is the character is the movie. So the movie is two and a half hours long and excessive and all over the place and has all this voiceover because that's who Jordan Belfort is. He's an excessive guy who's trying to live his life like he's in a movie trailer or a rap music video or something. And that's <laughs> that's why it's like that. It fits this story. I, I think that's a valid argument. One of the things too that I was going to say why. I am so critical of Wolf of Wall Street is because 12 Years a Slave and Captain Phillips are fucking great. So I just like, I can't, those movies are, are, are in a, are in a foot race for who's going to win in my opinion, because I think those are just great adapted screen, uh, screenplays. Mm-hmm. They're great stories. Yeah. And they, I think that the, the writer did an amazing job of taking the best parts of those adapted books and, especially 12 Years a Slave, being that it was written in the 1800s yeah. and keeping all of that. Like, I felt like, because it, it didn't just say all white people bad. Right. You know, yeah, all black thing. people slave. It was like the rich black people, the the white, you know, like you got to see the specifics and you're only going to get that because the he adapted the book from the 1800s, not our 21st century eyes looking back. Yeah. The the inclusion of the Benedict Cumberbatch sequence where he is a genuinely good man. Like, I don't think you can argue. He is a good man. And it speaks to – I recently had an exchange on the, on a, in the comments section of the website about this. That, like, it speaks to just how insidious this institution is. Right. That it makes good people do terrible things and they don't even realize it. Oh, well, yeah. It's just, it's just they the don't way question bus- it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, showed you how awful the time was. Yeah. And, and, and that – 
yeah, I, th- that's why that's why I like that. Yeah, it's so. there are parts of that script that I love, and I do like I love the Captain Phillips script for the exact reason that you were talking about. Dallas Buyers Club is there are things that the characters specifically don't say; they can't say it, mm-hmm. you know, and just and that's part of the performance as well. Okay, we'll move on to uh, foreign language film. I have seen none of these. I've only seen two. I'd love to see The Missing Picture. It's not available anywhere, and I don't have a screener. Okay. But um, I loved The Great Beauty. And I actually am in the minority in that I really didn't like The Hunt. But uh, okay. uh, I, I don't know. I feel like The Great Beauty has a little more press. And so maybe... Yeah, it's, uh, doing, it's doing pretty but well. But then The Hunt has Mads Mikkelsen in the lead, who's a recognizable mm-hmm. person. That yeah. might help help its chances there. Graham, have you seen any of these? No. Nope. Okay, let's move on. All right, directing. Okay, well, I think it's obviously going to go to Alfonso, Alfonso Cuaron. Like, he's kind of a short bet at this point. Okay. And I guess I'm okay with that with that occurring. It is it's a directorial achievement above all. I think I, I would yeah. liking Wolf of Wall Street so much. My should would be Martin Scorsese. Okay, of this I can't give Scorsese this. <laughs> I just I just look. It's it's his weakest movie, which is saying like it's Michael Jordan's worst thirty point game. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's a very good movie. And I disagree. There's a lot of movies of his I like less than, than I, this one. I just like the the too the too long of it, the glorification of this asshole without showing the like uh fallout of it more. Mm. Um I just I don't know. I mean I, it I doesn't just, I don't think it glorifies maybe it doesn't show the fallout. Dude. Things work out well for him, but it doesn't glorify him. Like So those movie who, posters that make it look like the best fucking party you've ever been to well, in he your didn't, life. Martin Scorsese didn't make the movie posters. You can't blame the That's the true. advertising is not but, a part of the movie. But I mean, I don't know those scenes where it's just this hilarious coke party. Well, that, again, that's it's coming from the character. I think Martin Scorsese is trusting us, the audience, to be smart enough to go. This is sick and fucked up, which all of us here did. So apparently, it worked. No, I'm right? going to Wall Street right now. I'm quitting everything. I want to have a goddamn orgy on a private jet. Yeah, you like, chose you chose the wrong profession. Greg. Yeah. Um, you thought show business is where you could go for this. I, that's what I was hoping. Um, that's why I got into uh, it. Uh, yeah, it I'll, I'll like, quote uh, okay. um, Mick LaSalle, the San Francisco Chronicle, tweeted: "If uh, you know, you can't say that you hated Jordan Belfort and say the movie glorifies him because you're not the only smart person there is. That's how my that's how I yeah think. yeah. We all we all saw that he was awful. It's okay that." The move that he didn't I, have to I, have I don't I, I just think yeah we saw that he was awful but but making him kind of funny and and likable in scenes because of the they're using the when someone is being funny you kind of like them and I think it just it it did too much of that for me hmm. it's hard to say because I laughed in the same way that I laugh at the characters in the sopranos because so much of what they say it, they're just so oblivious to the right. concept of morality right. that I have to laugh. It, it's, it's a laugh of like incredulity where you're just like, I can't, this is uh, insane. I, I, this right. is insane. And so it sounds, Graham, I know you're a podcast fan. It sounds to me like someone has to listen to the most recent episode of more than one lesson, my other podcast in which I talk <laughs> about the Wolf of Wall Street, comparing it to fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Oh. You're welcome. If you're willing to, <laughs> if, if you're willing to wade through some Christian stuff, then oh. uh, then there you go. So, um, <clears throat> see, I just saved us some time at the end of the show when I would have plugged that. Okay. okay. Uh, so moving on, um, supporting actress, um, Lupita Nyong'o is pretty damn good. 
Jennifer Lawrence is good too. This is a good category, just in general. My vote would definitely be for Sally Hawkins for for should. Really? Yeah. Of this, she's great. Don't get me wrong. But that's yeah. interesting. Lapita, Lapita's the the hands down winner. Okay. I was not that impressed with August, August Osage County. Yeah, they're all they're it. all good in it. Yeah, it's but, not a bad movie. It's but it's just, it's so hard to adapt. It's so obviously I'm going. Oh, I'm watching. They're filming a stage play. They're mm-hmm. filming a stage play. These long monologues. That mm-hmm. dinner sequence that was like 25 minutes <laughs> is so like. Oh, I'm watching it. They don't. They always. Although, it's such a hard thing to adapt because it's like a play is is one set, one location, maybe two locations, and then they forget when you adapt that. You can fucking make it anything yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Damn this thing! But is then, that you, like, then they come up with things like let's have Julia Roberts and you McGregor go out to the shed to get some chairs. Like they're just making up reasons <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. leave the house. Yeah, and, and just like but and, there's and, a way to do it that makes it work. Like Glengarry Glen Ross is a two set play, and it's you know it's a restaurant and then real estate office, and it's like and that movie feels like a movie. It doesn't it does. feel like a play, and it was written. It also it was, has the car in the movie. It has a car. Yeah. As they the sit car, in the car at one point. Yeah. They sit in the car and they add Alec Baldwin. And the other thing <laughs> right. too, like, I'm sorry, but but um, Lupita, <laughs> that performance just blows these other women away. And these are all good actresses in good roles, but I mean, come on. Yeah. It's starting she, to make me change my mind about saying Sally Hawkins. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go with Lupita Nyong'o. You know, it's, Sally Hawkins is good. Blue Jasmine is a Good movie. It's well, we'll not get to the be- we'll get to the best part of it in a moment. Um, but the uh, I will say that like a, a common thing that we've been saying all night is what doesn't happen, what the character, what isn't written, or what mm-hmm. the character doesn't say. And the nature of Lupita Nyong'o's character is all the stuff she doesn't say. But she and so she's not she doesn't have the benefit of like my character is just going to say what she feels now. Cause if she does that, she's, she's dead. She's dead. And so, but and you she see still it all has to face. feel it. Yeah. It's a, I That's, love that. That to me is what, especially film acting, because it's all done in the close up. Yeah. Um, so it's all really just the face. Yeah. And, and that to me just throughout time, since films have started, those, the best actors are the ones that are saying so much without speaking. And without telegraphing too much. Right. And it look like they're, they're overacting in their face. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, supporting actor, Will, Wood, Will win. I think it's Jared Leto. Like, he's been winning everything. I think he's going to win. He's great. I don't mind that. Um, My vote for should, I know it's going to piss off Graham, but I'm going to go with Wolf of Wall Street again <laughs> and say Jonah Hill. That's my should win. I, though Although, I, I will seen... say, Bradley Cooper's maybe best performance ever is American Hustle. I don't agree with that. Oh, I think he, he's, he's the, I wish the movie... I was I was less interested in the movie when it wasn't about him. Graham, are you a Limitless fan? Is that what you're telling me? You like that movie, Limitless? <laughs> People like that movie, but I never saw I, it. I enjoy that movie. People I have, that movie has its defenders. I did like Limitless, but... I did too, actually. Uh, I just... Yeah, American Hustle just... I don't know. It had, I had some problems with it. It's good. They're all good. I just... I can't... Yeah, there's. I know Louis C.K. wasn't nominated. I won't spoil what happens, but I'll set up. <laughs> the hardest I laughed in a, at a movie in all of 2013 was a scene where Bradley Cooper is on the phone, furiously threatening <laughs> Louis C.K. And you don't see Louis C.K. You just hear him, and it sounds like he's not even fully paying attention. It's the funniest thing. Literally, yeah. I would like 20 minutes later in the movie, I'd think of it again and start laughing yeah. again. The man, the manic intensity of Bradley Cooper, I think, is pretty great. And this is a very strong category. I have not seen. 
Jared Leto. And so I feel bad that I haven't seen the obvious front runner. He's amazing. But um, And honestly, though, should is the Barkhead... Yeah. Abdi. He's great. Abdi from Captain Phillips. He's pretty amazing. He's a captain, Will yeah. is going to be Jared Leto. Yeah, no question. Um, okay, best actress, I'm going to say Will and should is Kate Blanchett. I thought she was absolutely oh, amazing. I didn't. I thought of a character was too over the top. Oh, my gosh, Graham. I, I I've just, heard people say that. I disagree. I, I am with, with Tyler. I, I, just, I loved it. Blue Jasmine was good, but I just it was one of those movies, and then when it ended, I was like, <laughs> what, what happened? Oh, I, mean, I wish this mean? was a video podcast. <laughs> like right I now. just, I just, I don't know. I, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't grip me. Uh, to me, uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now. This, I, it's a should will fucking slam dunk as Sandra Bullock. Hmm. I thought she her performance was amazing. I thought it's her movie. Yeah, it's really George Clooney is not in that much of it. Right. It's her right. movie, and I think she's compelling and great in it. Yeah, I do. I like her quite a bit. And Best Actress was a strong category. Speaking of snubs, although it wasn't really expected, did you see Enough Said, Graham? Yeah. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, I think, is amazing in that. As is James Gandolfini. As is James Gandolfini. Like, I I think she is, like, genuinely funny. What got me was that I feel like I usually – I feel like she's – she tends to be a heightened actress just because of, you know, Seinfeld and then V. Yeah. So everything she does is always a little bit heightened. So I thought, like, okay, is she going to be heightened in Enough Said, which takes place in our world and, and that kind of thing. And she's great. Like, she, it's a nice, quiet, modulated performance, but still funny, heartbreaking at times. Yeah. I think I thought she was wonderful. Yeah. Let's talk about movies getting better on second viewings. It's, uh, I, uh, it's the same thing with Inside Lewin Davis. I liked Enough Said the first time I saw it. I loved it the second time. Man. Yeah. And it got funnier the second time, which is I think often happens mm-hmm. with yeah. movies that you don't – Movies you don't go in thinking of as like a straightforward comedy, like it's not Anchorman 2, you know? Uh, I, I feel like I was more into the story and characters the first time and the second time. I was like, oh, I got that. And I just sit back and it's really, really funny. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Kate Blanchett is doing tremendous work. It's just, I, well, you know what? I'll, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, best actor, it's a strong category. And you know what? A week ago, I would have said Shiotelejo Four is going to win, but it's looking like it's swinging Matthew McConaughey's way. It's a dead heat between those two. Mm-hmm. They're both amazing. It, whichever one of those two wins deserves it. Okay, I think. Uh, Do you want to guess who my should is? Uh, is it Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> well, no, I guess my should is Tom Hanks, but he's not nominated. Yeah, so yeah. my should is Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, right. Okay. You, you think this is the yeah? They have no, this whole conversation started with. Tom Hanks being snubbed from Captain Phillips, which yeah. I agree with. I think he should be in there over Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I, I'd be okay with it. I mean, I guess I'd rather... I'd pop, I'd pop Christian Bale out, out of there first. Yeah, he was not All right, I could pop either one of those guys out <laughs> yeah. for, for Captain Phillips, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's definitely, as far as will win, I think it's between Shiotella Giofor and, and Matthew McConaughey. Like, both... Having not seen Dallas Buyers Club, like both men, like it is their, like the way you said Sandra Bullock, like it is their, yeah, it is yeah. certainly Sarah Telegio for it is his movie. He like carries a, a, a big load in that film in terms of the emotional depth of what his character has to go through. Yeah. Who's also this educated man who doesn't want to give up that part of himself. He doesn't yeah. want to give up his honor and his morality and his code and his, and his, you know, his station in life, yeah. uh, 
to these monsters that are beating him and lying to him and and all that stuff. And so he has to go through so much emotion and so much pain. Both those two guys, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, both those films are two people and they're true stories of guys that had to go through fucking hell, man. So I, I just... The only crime about one of those guys winning is that the other guy won't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only, you know what I mean? But okay. All right. So, best picture. I'm not going to surprise anyone with my should win. Okay. It's oh, the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Will win. I don't I don't have any idea. Uh, again, a few weeks ago I would have said 12 Years a Slave is a is a lock, but freaking American Hustle for some reason is like gaining quickly and i don't again i enjoy this movie i think you release it in march it gets none of this right stuff of course people people aren't thinking about it you release it at the end of the year and people like hey big cast david o russell sure why period piece sure why not i I just don't even understand why it's in the contention and it is at the moment like in a dead heat with 12 years a slave i have no idea what's going to win oh man i you know for me I think it has to. I, I would either go Twelve Years a Slave or Gravity. Okay, is what I would go with. Yeah, I, as far as what I think should win, instinctively I would say Captain Phillips. But and I, there are so many things I. I think the movie is generally great. Uh, but I don't know. I have a hard time saying the movie is the best movie of the year, which yeah, is in is. theory is what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his performance is the best of the year. I think there's a lot of things about it that are the best of the year, but I'm not sure if I'd say the movie itself is the best of the year. I'd have to, you know, the best movie of the year, the best picture. You know, obviously 12 Years a Slave, Dallas Buyers Club, which I've been talking about. Mm -hmm. I think it's going, I think it will go to gravity Mm -hmm. because best picture covers really all of these categories. Mm. And I think gravity is amazing in all of the things we've, we talked, we just talked about Yeah, visually script acting, directing, like it is script. I think is deeply flawed uh, that I feel like the dialogue is really cheesy, okay. um, but she, that's the thing. She overcomes it. And of course it's a visual film first and foremost. So that's, that's why I think it, it might win it. Do I think it's the best picture? Man, it's it's a, this is a fairly strong. I mean, again, like I've been talking, Captain Phillips is amazing. Dallas Buyers Club is amazing. Uh, 12 Years a Slave is amazing. I mean, Nebraska, I really liked. You know, Wolf of Wall Street, I see why it's on this list because Martin's goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's by and large, and, uh, you know, we'll get to this more in the next few weeks because we're doing all this end-of-year stuff, but just by and large, I feel like this has not been the strongest year in general. I feel like there have been a lot of a fair amount of letdowns and stuff. But looking at this, this last nine, here's the thing. If Inside Lewin Davis was included, I would say, oh, that should win because I just feel very strongly right. about it. I think it's a remarkable achievement. But, like uh, – but aside from a couple of notable exceptions, I feel like this is a pretty good list of movies. Yeah. And I, I should say, my Wolf of Wall Street is not my favorite movie of the year. It's just my favorite of those nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And yes, my favorite movie of the year is not nominated for anything. So, <laughs> And the one, the one – this is just a like fantasy land snub movie because, yeah, you're – enough said. You said um, – uh, we were just talking about it got completely shut out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the movie that I loved that got completely shut out, again, no surprise, but David Gordon Green's Prince Avalanche. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. it with Paul Rudd and Emile Hirsch. It's an amazing, hilarious, awesome movie and didn't get anything. And it is currently on Net- – a lot of these actually are on Netflix Watch Instant. Incl- Active Killing just popped up, by the way, oh, on there. Really? Um, and there's a good selection of uh, documentaries right now. There's Room 237, There's oh. we- which I love. Well, that's one Why of my- wasn't that nominated? <laughs> I could think of – uh, every reason, uh, because it's a movie like, like I, I, documentary tends not to go weird. I mean, there is exit through the gift shop, I guess, but that mm-hmm. didn't win. Also, um, I think qualifyingly, it would have had to be nominated last year. I think. I, documentary too, yeah. always tends, tends to be political in our social change and social, yeah. comedy, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Blackfish, uh, We Steal Secrets, um, uh, Act of Killing and and uh, and Room Two Thirty Seven. Those are all on uh, Netflix. Francis Ha, a movie I really liked, is on Netflix. Prince Avalanche is on Netflix. Like, there's a lot of good stuff that is available right now. That is some of the best stuff of the year. So seek that out. And we're done. Okay, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is the weekly TV show that I do with Paul Goble, King of TV. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. Uh, last week, we talked about True Detective and Archer. I'm really happy with that episode and really happy with both of those episodes of TV. People should listen to that, I think. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about Sherlock season three and whatever episode of Nashville airs on ABC this week because I've been threatening to make Paul watch Nashville for a year now and I'm finally following through on it. Um, How'd that go? You can, well, we'll find out on Sunday. Uh, you can find that show at BattleshipRetention.com as it is a member of the aforementioned BP fleet. Uh, and that's where you can find all the other shows in the fleet and all of our reviews and Graham, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can go to GrahamElwood.com. Uh, from there, you can get my Twitter, my Facebook, all my tour dates, uh, links to uh, my podcast, Comedy Film Nerds. Um, uh, my tour dates I have, we were doing a live Comedy Film Nerds in San Diego, California, Wednesday, January 29th at the American Comedy Company. We're also going to live stream that via Laughster. And all of the donation tiers for Laughster will go to the Kickstarter for Earbuds. Oh, cool documentary so again uh grandma.com gets you to all my social media and of course uh, go to comedyfilmers.com and click on the uh, kickstarter and donate for that all right well graham thanks for being here sure man a lot of fun thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 